This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Transparency, sustainability, engagement, technology, privacy. It's a crowded landscape out there. Explore the conversations on Reputation Forward, a Charleston Orwig blog about protecting and elevating your reputation at reputationforward.com. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Congressman Berg, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to ag producers. Tell me about you and how you decided to become a congressman uh, and are just in your first term. Well, I'll tell you what, Ken, I, I'd love to t- talk about that story, and really the essence comes from agriculture. Uh, you know, I'm a third-generation North Dakotan. Uh, we homesteaded in North Dakota. And, and why North Dakota is 3% unemployment, uh, we have uh, money in our bank, uh, taxes are going down, and jobs are going up. I like to compare it to just those rural values. You know, when you're <clears throat> growing up on a farm or a ranch, uh, you live within your means. Uh, you don't spend more than you make. And when you have a, a good year, well, you take that money and you reinvest it. You update your equipment. You maybe buy some more land. And, and when you have a lean year, you just kind of tighten the belt. And that's exactly what North Dakota has done over the last 10 years. And we positioned our state to uh, industries like agriculture, which, of course, the backbone of North Dakota, but also we've encouraged ener- energy and uh, you know, the medical industry and, and other industries, and it's really created tremendous success and jobs here in North Dakota today. Tell me, if you would, about your uh, business background. Uh, from what do you draw your abilities to be in Congress? I've, I've, I've told this to a number of people, and it's absolutely true. Uh, I go all the way back to 4-H. You know, I remember when I was nine years old and the Roadbusters 4-H Club, I had my leader that had... You know, all of us uh, kids get up and present our cases and and uh, debate issues, and I think that's a big start of, of my career. I'm an Ag Econ grad, and, you know, really for 30 years I was involved in a small business that I started uh, when I was a senior in college. And these are the things that, you know, when I see where our country's headed, we need to get our economy going. We need to create jobs. And so, you know, my Ag background as well as small business background you know, it really helped me uh, in this world of, uh, you know, trying to get things going on a national level. Let me move to this farm legislation. Uh, you have been recently outspoken indicating that <clears throat> the House should have brought this to the floor. Um, why do you think that uh, this bill uh, should have been brought to the floor, uh, even in the face of a potential uh, loss if the whole House voted on it? Well, Ken... That's one of the fundamental problems of Washington. Uh, they're not following regular order. You know, the regular order of the legislative system, the way it was designed to work, is a committee goes to work, they take a bill up like the farm bill, they make amendments, they make changes, then they bring it to the floor. And then on the floor, you vote for it. If it passes, then it would go into a conference committee or go to Senate. If it doesn't pass, you know, the committee's got to roll up their sleeves and go back to work. And so that's what frustrates me more than anything else is, is kicking the can down the road or not making a decision or blocking the normal course of, of how decisions should be made in the legislative body 
that was one of my big frustrations with the farm bill. And quite frankly, I mean, that's what's wrong in Washington. And that's why we have these big issues facing our country. Iowa Congressman Latham and several others have indicated that Speaker Boehner is willing to vote on the farm bill, but that uh, Leader Cantor is the roadblock. Is that true? Well, you know, I'm frustrated with all of our leadership. Um, and, you know, who is uh, more or less to blame? I mean, I can't speak to that. I, you know, the last uh, week we're out there, I met, you know, almost daily with uh, each of our leaders talking about how important it is to, to take action. Um, you know, certainly uh, Majority Leader Cantor uh, was one of those that really resisted bringing it to the floor because he felt there weren't the votes to pass. And you know, I believe uh, the legislature should work as well. And, you know, I think I share that with the leadership. And so for me, it was extremely frustrating uh, not moving that bill forward. Let me go another way with this. Is there a possibility that Majority Leader Cantor is linked to Southerners who don't like the Senate bill, and they don't want a duplicate of that coming up in the House, and so not having a vote on it, in effect, would uh, potentially derail the kind of bill that they may get that doesn't really cater to their needs? You know, I mean, there's a lot of speculation that's going on, and I can't speculate, you know, exactly what's driving it. I mean, I just have to listen to what people have said and, and how they've related to me. Now, from my perspective... Uh, the Speaker of the House made it real clear last week. He said that we will definitely take up the Farm Bill uh, after the election and before the end of the year. And so I've been working with uh, others uh, within our conference, within the Republican conference in the House, uh, to kind of get a feel for where people are are on the bill and to help rally support uh, when we take the bill up you know, after the election. You're in a campaign for the U.S. Senate. You're already the only representative in the state, which is just like being a senator, basically, except they vote on you every two years rather than every six. Yep. What are you hearing from the farmers, your constituents of the state, about the inaction on this bill? Well, you know, the, the farm groups that I talked to, and I was in constant touch with them, I mean, their recommendation, what they asked me to do is to let the bill expire rather than put a short-term extension in because they believe, and I believe, we need to keep putting pressure on to have a resolution to this. You know, like, here's the thing. Agriculture is one of the shining lights in our country. I mean, we're creating all kinds of new revenue. We're creating all kinds of jobs. And the last thing we need to do is to put this cloud of uncertainty over agriculture by not having a, a long-term farm bill. And you know, I'm, I'm excited because... You know, what I did see coming out of the House and Senate is a, a farm bill that's focused on crop insurance. You know, and that's what we've heard. That's what I've heard from my producers here in North Dakota. Also, we have to keep the pressure on. We have to get something done, you know, as soon as we possibly can. Congressman Rick Berg, let's talk about North Dakota in general. You have a strong economy right now, low unemployment. Agriculture in general escaped the drought, which was mostly south of you. So what are you concerned about? What are the issues you think your state will face in the next few years that bother you? Well, you know, I mean, things have been going very well in North Dakota. And I tell you, we've had some uh, real uh, dry spots and drought, but nothing like the rest of the country. And so, you know, the producers up here just uh, want to let, you know, the other producers that faced a tough time, that we, uh, we hear them and, and concerned about them and just wishing them the best through this cycle. You know, I mean, there's no question that there's two huge threats that don't get talked about that much. 
Number one is the regulatory burden on agriculture. I mean, it's like almost every day you see uh, people that are in a, uh, <laughs> you know, in a, a skyscraper writing rules who've never been, you know, west of the Potomac writing rules for our farmers and ranchers and expect one size to fit all. I mean, that's one of the biggest risks that I think agriculture has is these these regulations that come out with a lack of common sense. The other or the part of this would be the taxation. I mean, January 1, if, if nothing happens, January 1, the estate tax, the death tax, will go up to 55% on everything over a million dollars. I mean, this just cuts right at the core of agriculture where, you know, part of our belief is trying to leave our farm and ranch, uh, the next generation better than we received it. I had a five-generation farmer tell me, you know, we we fought we fought drought, we fought too much water, we fought disease, we fought market prices. But what's going to take us down is this fight against our own government with estate tax and regulations. So, I mean, that's one of the huge dangers we have facing agriculture. Congressman, anything specific on any regulations such as the Department of Labor? Uh, and the regulations that they want to impose? Well, you know, I mean, it was, it's, it, at first it seemed comical that they would come out with a proposed rule saying, you know, kids couldn't work on a farm. You know, I mean, for me, it's like we ought to have the opposite rule. We ought to require every kid in America to spend the summer working on a farm or ranch. I think we'd have a better America if that happened. Fortunately, they pulled back on that rule. You know, my concern is if we if we continue with this administration for four more years without the potential of another election ahead, you know, I'm not sure what kind of rules will come down uh, that could negatively impact agriculture, but I'm certainly concerned about it. Congressman Rick Berg, thank you very much for joining us as our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. All right. Thank you very much. Open Mic has been brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Go to reputationforward.com. I'm Ken Root.